Yesterday was his birthday. He's turned 21 yesterday. And uh, I'm thankful for him being a part of my family. Um, I can tell he's 21 a lot. A lot of times. But beyond that, he is an extraordinary man. He's extraordinarily talented. He is passionate. I believe he loves God. And he is a has a brilliant mind. I'm probably saying more than I should right now. And um, I'm very proud of him. And I'm I'm thankful that he loves my daughter and he loves my grandkid. And I'm thankful that he loves God and he loves this church. Amen. He makes this, um, he makes pastoring easier and I'm thankful for that. So, but he is a part of this ministry team and we have a card for you. So you can open that at your convenience whenever you want. Got something in there for you. And uh, but I love him and I'm proud of him and I know he's going to come preach his heart and he has a word for us today. So give Brother Texas a good hands and counts. Praise the Lord. All my, it may look like I'm not prepared, but all my stuff's already up here. I, so <laughs> it's all good. Amen. But how many are thankful for our pastor? Amen. Uh, he's more than just my pastor. I mean, that's a pretty big spot to fill. But he's also my father-in-law, and he's my co-worker. So, you know, he fills a lot of roles in my life. And uh, I'm thankful for him and his family, and I'm thankful for my beautiful wife and our son for uh, how far God has just kind of brought us to where we are now. Uh, but it did not feel like my birthday yesterday. I was like, oh, man, I'm turning 21. Man, I don't, I don't really uh, like getting old very much because you may think, oh, he's 21. He's not that old, but... Tell you what, I'll be 50 one day, and it's going to come faster than <laughs> I want. So, amen. But I, I'm really thankful to be here uh, at this church and behind this pulpit. Um, I'm going to put this Bible right here because I'm going to use it in a minute. I got something under here for later, so <laughs> don't worry about it. Amen. But how many are thankful to be in the house of God today? I'm thankful to be here. Uh, and... Today, if we would, I ask that you would turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in, I think I told Jake in verse 4. I have it right here. Uh, and then whenever you're ready, just go ahead and stand up and we'll read the Word of the Lord. And we'll get this, get this baby rolling. I may seem awkward because I'm really not sure how this is going to go today. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm sure the other preachers in this room can kind of understand. You don't know if this is going to be a shout message or a, you know, just a kind of I'm teaching it to you and you're staring at me kind of thing. I don't know. So I'm just going to kind of test the waters here today and see where we're going to end up. But I trust God for what he's given me. And we're going to go ahead and start reading the word and kind of open our hearts up to that. And this is a kind of famous verse. I'm sure many of you could quote it. But starting in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. 
And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Somebody say, children. children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of the house and on thy gates. Somebody say to your neighbor, it's important to know that the Lord our God is one. So important that the writer of Deuteronomy encourages us to put it everywhere we look. Talk about it when we're standing, when we're sitting, when we wake up, when we go to sleep. To remember always. Amen. So how about we just ask the Lord to speak to us today. Let's invite His presence into this service. Lord, we're so thankful for Your presence, God. We're thankful for Your mercy. Lord, without You, we would not be where we are today. Without this liberty that we have, God, following You, we would not be in this church. And we're thankful, God, for the people, our pastors who, have, who started this church. We're thankful for His family. Lord, we ask that You would just bless this service, bless this message. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, before I introduce my title today, um, okay, we're good. It's just a box. All right, that's, that's fine. I'm about to fill that box with something you're going to see in just a second. But really, in reality today, some of the stuff I'm going to say seems like it should be, I don't know, maybe elementary to us. But I'm just going to repeat some things that I have kind of picked up and I have learned through reading the Word, listening to books, and just doing what I feel is my duty of learning so I can pour out to this church. And one certain thing that particularly spoke to me in a recent time of my life when Bethany was pregnant was I had concerns about soon becoming a father. And I was not sure what it, would like, what it was like to be a dad. I wasn't sure what... Um, the birth was going to be like, or anything like that. So I turned to Audible, which is a online ebook like app that you can get where you can listen to books. I turned to that for some advice, and I found a book on there called The Apostolic Family. And I would, I would, you know, ask you today that if you have some free time, find that book, read it, listen to it. Uh, I like to listen to books because uh, I, uh, I like to read, but. I'd rather just someone read it to me. <laughs> I mean, I, I still read the Word, but when it comes to audiobooks and stuff, I like having someone narrate that to me. And this year when I started listening to my Bible, it was, you know, it was almost like I saw Bible characters I'd heard about all my life in a different way. You know, I, it was almost like I was able to take it in, you know, in a more, in a less of a, this is something I have to do every day, and it was more like a pleasure reading. And I believe that we need to have that aspect of the Bible where it's like, if I don't get this in today, you know, it could be, it put my soul in peril. I believe that's necessary. But then there should also be that series of what I would call pleasure reading of the Bible. And I found that in listening to the Bible. I would encourage you to do that, to intake the Word however you could. Um, and I found that also through audiobooks. Um, you know, and I have some... You know, some audio books that I like to listen to. Uh, the Epsoc family is one. There's a bunch of good stuff on Audible that you could find. But before I introduce my title and before I continue getting off track, church, the foundation of your life should be loving your family. Amen. Yeah. 
it, it doesn't matter the relationship you have with your son, your daughter. It doesn't matter the relationship you have with your mom or your dad or your grandparents. It, you should love your family no matter what. If you love God, you should love your family. I, I, I believe that it is almost impossible to be Christian and not have a love for your family. Because God loves every single person, the good and the bad of that person. You know, He hates the sin, but He loves the person that commits that sin. He loves our flesh, as I preached about before, that He died for our flesh, and He also, you know, He condemned our flesh. We need to love our family, the good and the bad. It doesn't matter what kind of relationship we have with them, you need to love them. And that is the foundation that I, I plan to build this message upon. And before I introduce my title, 1 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 4 through 5 says, One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Today, I'm going to tell you that the church and the family are one. You need to be the same parent to your kids as you are the same disciple to someone in the church. If you're apostolic here, you need to be apostolic in your house. Because your family matters. And your family matters most importantly. Your wife, your kids, your mother, your father, having a good relationship with them matters. And what really matters in that is putting in your time to have that good relationship. You know, sometimes when you love someone, they don't always love you back, but... You have to understand that in order to have that true apostolic family, you need to put in time, just like God has put time into you. And today I'm going to be preaching on the ABCs of the apostolic family. And like I said, I don't know how this is going to go today. I may just teach us. I might scream a little bit. You know, I don't know. I, I'm just obeying God with this, what I feel like the Lord wants to say today. So, A. A, and there's a box. I'll get to that later. But A is obviously apostolic. Let's be apostolic. It, it, it doesn't... Let me tell you what today, church. It doesn't matter the decor of your home. You know, you've got Joanna Gaines and Chip Gaines. They've got that farmhouse style coming out now. You can go to Target and you can spend your whole stimulus check on that if you want. You know, you can, you can buy the nicest pots and pans to, to prepare the nicest food. You can hit up Pinterest like me and my wife have been doing and finding some good recipes on there. It's just some quick, easy, simple stuff because having a baby just is kind of, it's just changed the way we, we have do life. You know, last week we ate out every night because none of, neither one of us wanted to go grocery shopping because I was working over, she was taking care of Corbin. So we ate out every night. We didn't go buy groceries. So we actually didn't even have toothpaste either. So now I'm getting a little too real there, but we didn't have toothpaste. We cut that sucker open and squeezed it for every last drop. I was, I was dipping my toothbrush in there yesterday morning trying to get the last little bit out. But we didn't go grocery shopping. And, you know, it doesn't matter what food you have in your cabinets. It doesn't matter how big your fridge is and what, how many stainless steel appliances you keep in your kitchen. It doesn't matter if your bed is king size, queen size, full size, if you got a bed for, you know, when your wife's happy with you than a bed for when your wife's mad at you. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, if your couch is a sectional or whatever, you know. It really doesn't matter what's in the home, but it doesn't matter you know, how much equity that you've had pulled in your home. But let me tell you what, it does matter what you're teaching in your home. It, it does matter what values that you're upholding. It does matter what kind of discipline you're using in your home. And, you know, today, church, it does matter if you're abusing the people in that home, your spouse or your children. 
because it, it, it's not about the home, but it's about who is in it and who governs it. You know, just like this house, this is the house of God. It, it doesn't matter if this wall is dark purple. It doesn't matter if, if this wall is concrete and it's not got anything on it. If this room didn't have any windows, what kind of instruments we have on this platform or who is standing behind this, this pulpit. What really matters is the values that we are teaching and gathering to lift up in this place. That is what really matters. And I believe now more than ever that that is the same for our houses. Because you can be rich, you can be poor, but the amount of love that you have in your home matters. Because I, you know what, you know, there's so many old songs you could think of, or you know, we were, we were poor but we had love, stuff like that. Because that's what truly matters is what values you have in your home. So, what does it mean to be apostolic in regards of family? And I'm going to answer that to the best of my knowledge, and I will tell you a little bit that you know, my home as a kid was broken. As you could say, as someone could describe my home, it would be as broken. My, my mother and my father divorced when I was young. I grew up with a single parent, my mother, trying to do the best she could. And at sometimes, you know, even to the point where she, we, she would go out and she would steal from the store for us so we could have what we wanted. And, you know, she would sell pills to have, make sure we had the money to get what we wanted. Um, you know, and that was something that was kind of normalized in our household was you know theft so I, I found myself you know at you know 9 10 11 years old going into Shopco or Pomada Pomada down there in Marion walking in and like thinking I own the place because I'm like they don't know it but I'm I'm stealing from here you know I, I'm walking around like going over to the CD cases I'm like flipping through which one I want I'm like there we go guns and roses T pick that sucker up rip that security tag off slide it in my coat or in my pants and walk out that was normal for me you know um you know, I had the freedom to steal as I wanted. You know, Bakugan, CDs, movies, all that kind of stuff, you know, it was easy to lift. And I'm not saying you should steal because it is a sin. And I was sinning in this moment. Uh, and there was one moment when I was running out of the store with a whole case of Pokemon cards. Like, I'm talking about like a big metal case. Like, I don't know how I got away with this. And th there was a, a, a bell that come across the announcements. And it was an announcement telling that the store was closing in 30 minutes. But I thought it was an announcement saying that I was shoplifting. So as I was walking out of the store, I bolted it to the car because I done thought I was caught and I was crying before I even got to the car. But this was just something that was normalized in my home. And today you may feel that your home is broken. Because let me tell you what, coming to church and saying you're apostolic or you're Pentecostal doesn't automatically fix your home. It would be so nice if there was a barrier at the door of the church when you walked in immediately, all your problems were fixed. And when you left, it, every, your house was magically repaired, your family magically loved you, your kids magically called you all the time, everything that you want out of a family is there. It would be nice if there was a barrier that was like that when we walked into this church, that our doorknobs were fixed at our home, that our TV was magically hung over our fireplace. There would be so many... You know, but it's not like that. Being apostolic, coming to the house of God, being filled with the Holy Ghost does not automatically fix all your problems. But the thing is, church, it allows the king of the problems, the king of the pieces, to begin this process. And it is a process. And that's where we get so impatient living for God is we don't 
realize that this process is not instantaneous. Yes, there are ways where you can boost this process, where you can fast, where you can get desperate for God and come to a place where you're closer to Him and closer to His blessings for your life. But ultimately, it is a process where there is a starting point A and there is a finish point B where you don't even know where that possibly could be at today. The Holy Ghost is power, and it is the power that begins to fix these things that are broken in our lives. It, it allows the King of the Pieces to begin the process. Being apostolic allows new birth to enter into your home. It allows your fleshly, sinly body to be reborn anew baptized in the name of Jesus, going down in the water, repenting for your sins, and being filled with the Holy Ghost, which gives you power to resist that temptation that is going to follow you after you are born again. Because you can come into this church and be born again, and then return home, and you still have the same problems you had when you left. Your house isn't reborn when you are reborn in the name of Jesus. And those are things we have to deal with. But the Holy Ghost is power to overcome those distractions. It's power to overcome depression and power to overcome anxiety. Amen. At the core of this church, it's about connection with God. It, at the core of this apostolic movement, it's about connection with God. When we tell people about what, what we are as Apostolic Pentecostals, we mention the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is direct connection to God. It is a direct, uninterrupted line that we have speaking a heavenly language that God understands, that people don't even understand unless the Holy Ghost allows them to. It is something special, and as Apostolic Pentecostals in this time, at the core of this movement, we have that connection with God. And when we come to church and when we be apostolic, which means being filled with the Holy Ghost, which is the new birth experience, we take that home and it opens, it opens up connections in our home to God. It helps fix those problems because instead of having a room where you used to lash out at your children, you can make that in a room where you can now find prayer and you can begin to think about different ways to discipline your family, different ways to just be parents. And, and you know what? It's weird that I can say that because I am a parent. I, and I don't know what it's like to whip kids yet, all right? I haven't learned. I haven't got mad at them yet, but I know that's coming. And I'm praying, and I'm praying that God is going to help me discipline Him the right way. Because, you know, a lot of the problems that we have with kids nowadays are they were raised when they did something wrong. It was immediate retaliation. That's why we always, Jake and always, you know, in Sunday school, he's, he's asked the kids before, he said, you know, what's your first reaction when someone bumps into you in the hallway? What's the first thing you're going to do? And a lot of times the answers that you're going to get is, I'm going to turn around and punch them. And what that stems from is how children are raised nowadays. When, they, when kids do something wrong, the first thing that those parents do is immediately retaliate with either screaming or, you know, whipping this child. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with disciplining your children, but it, part of being apostolic is relying on God to lead us in our life. And I don't think God necessarily wants us to start whooping up on our kids immediately when they do something wrong. There needs to be a section where, where we're explaining, you know, what's going on and explaining why we're doing what we're doing. Amen. You know, what we need to really be is, is a catalyst for God to move in our homes. Not moving towards immediate retaliation when someone's doing something we don't like. And I'm not speaking to just parents here. I'm speaking to kids as well. Actually, I'm speaking to whoever feels like they are in this situation today. 
You know, I, I'm saying a lot of we's and us's and, and you's, and that's because every person has a role in the home that they are called to fulfill. Whether you're the guardian, you're the parent, you know, you're the grandparent, you're the kid, you have a role that you need to fill. And what we need to do today is become the catalyst for God to move in our homes. Amen. And, and because everyone needs to build that apostolic culture in our homes Parents, you know, they're, they're the most influential guardians. They're the most influential, that parent figure, whether it's a grandparent holding that parent figure, it's a guardian holding that parent figure. They can enforce, and, but it matters what that is that you are enforcing in your home. And what I'm urging us to do is to start becoming the catalyst for God to move in our homes because revival, it starts here in our hearts. And, and, I, and I'm not trying to be cheesy today, but home, you've heard it all your life, home is where your heart is. And if your heart is revival, your heart is all about revival, you're chasing God, you're chasing being born again and being filled with the Holy Ghost, and that is your heart, you're going to take that back home, and you're going to explode that in your house. And we have felt God's heart in this church. We have felt God's love in this church. And you can feel God's heart at home just like you felt it here. And just imagine if we had revivals in our homes, how that would transfer to the church. If, if we went ahead and, and we got all the repenting out of the way in our prayer closets at home and we brought the shouting and the praising to the church, what I believe we've got to do is just open up our homes to God so He can move in them. And a lot of times that means moving stuff out of the way. And that brings me to my point number two, which is B, which is because He. That is the B. Because He lives, because He died, because He rose again, because He sacrificed. Sacrificed for me, so I will sacrifice for them. Sacrificial love. Parenting is sacrificial love. Family love is sacrificial love. Just as Jesus loved us sacrificially, not only did He write it out for us in the Holy Bible, the Word we have that He gave us, but He also lived it and He died for it. He answered our questions and He showed us how to live for Him. He told us how to be born again. What name to call on while we're in trouble. And that's the name of Jesus. When, when a mother snuggles a baby, you know, like many of us enjoy snuggling our babies, like I enjoy snuggling Corbin, there is a certain thing that the mother has when she begins to you know, nuzzle that baby with her lips and her skin makes contact with the baby's skin, her, her, that her lips pick up the bacteria and the germs that the child is exposed to, and it immediately begins to produce antibodies needed to ward off illness, and it replaces those bacteria with antibodies. And you know, that's how God made the body. That's absolutely, that's incredible. I did not know that. So what that tells me today, it, it, that's how God is with us as well. You know, before we even needed it God gave it for us before we even needed you know Calvary God sacrificed everything for us on Calvary so part of being an apostolic family is you know maybe sacrificing some TV time to spend it with your family maybe sacrificing some overtime so you can get home earlier and have a meal with your kids you know maybe it's sacrificing some video game time so you can spend it with your parents you know, maybe it's sometimes shutting your phone off so you can hang out with your family. You know, it, it's just getting close to your family. That's what matters. As we strive to get close to God, we should also strive to get close to our family. Because if you're getting closer to God and you're moving away from your family, 
there's your your the motives there is wrong, and and I'm going to talk to us about our motives in just a little bit. But as God temporarily came off the throne of heaven, we need to come off the thrones that we have built in our houses. You know, parents, guardians, and kids alike, we have all built thrones for our needs. You know, comfort thrones for us to go to in our homes, and we forget the throne of God in our lives. We forget that the number one throne that matters in our house is God's throne. That there needs to be a place where God feels comfortable to come in and visit us. Where there is a a, a place and a time we have set aside where God is comfortable to come inside our homes and visit us when we need Him. Just as we get close to God, we need to become close to our family. Because in this life, as you've heard it mentioned from this pulpit a thousand times over, you cannot have a do-over. When your kid grows up and turns 18, you're not going to get to do that over again. When your mother or father, time finally takes them and they pass away, or illness takes them and then pass away, you're never going to have that time again with them. And all you're going to be left with is regret. You're going to be left with, you know, I wish I'd put my phone down more. You know, and I can relate to this because I had a papa who, he passed away, I think he was around maybe 66 when he died. And the, the first, the, the few years before he passed away, something that boomed in my life was Xbox 360. You know, I was, I, my dad bought me a Xbox 360 at GameStop for 99 bucks. I thought he was the coolest guy in the world. I took that sucker home, I plugged it in, immediately got addicted to playing Halo 3. And that's where I spent my life for the next like two or three years. And in that time, my papa got sick and I spent less and less time with him. And then he ended up passing away. And that left me with nothing but regret because I did not spend enough time with him. And, and it's even more of a bummer now that I've taken interest in you know, military history because he went to the military. He was in Vietnam. You know, and so many times I wish I could have had that conversation about what his role was you know, in the U.S. Army in, in Vietnam. And we had those regrets. And I'm urging you today to eliminate that possibility for regret in your life. Go ahead and spend that time now. You know, if your job's working you too much, go ahead and take that time off and spend it with your family. You need to, there's some things we have to sacrifice in order to be closer to our family. There's some things that we have to get out of the way so we can spend time with our parents, so we can spend time with our kids and our grandparents. Because we cannot have a do-over. And C of this lesson is, I believe that it takes a church to raise a child. This, this world would say that it takes a community to raise a child. And when they say that, they're talking about relinquishing the role of mother and father in a child's life. And I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about that, you know, it takes a church to push a child in the right direction. You know, this church, Harvest House, has pushed me in the right direction. There are many people that are in this church today that, you know, when I, when I was lost in the world and, and I come back when I was about 17 years old from living a life of sin, seeing the consistency, seeing the persistence, seeing the dedication of some of you on this very pew is what pushed me to know that God is loving and He is kind. You know, but there has to be in this time a church that is going to stand up for young people because kids have such a malleable mind where they can be influenced by whatever is popular and fun in that moment. You know, and and that's what the world is pushing them to do. It's to to seize the moment and do whatever they want, whatever they feel. But we need to have a church, a godly community that helps push these kids to be anointed, to 
take up and multiply their talents that God has given. And there must be parents and guardians and grandparents that will stand up against this world and fight for their homes. You know, we, we have influence on this next generation. How we worship and how we live influences this next generation. And, you know, it's like I said, it's many of us, you in this church, whose dedication and persistence inspired me to return to this church after the time that I had away. When I was from the time I was about 15 to the time I was about 17. It was your dedication that pushed me. And we need to have that same dedication reverberate in our homes. We cannot live it just here, you know, in this church. We need to take part of the church home with us. And when we are building our apostolic family, when we're being apostolic, when we're sacrificing things, we need to have, that is the church. That is what this church is about. It's about being apostolic. It's about sacrificing things for the community. There's so many things that the pastor and his family have sacrificed so you know I, so we could have the things that we have in this church. And that is how we need to live at our house is we need to sacrifice some things so our kids can have it better than we had. And I'm not talking about spoiling spoiling them. And spoiling them to a point is absolutely fine. But I'm talking about protecting them against the things that you were susceptible to when you were a kid. That's what I'm talking about today. So, I'm going to go ahead and show you my box. It's heavy. But, I got this box here. And... I noticed that I'm not really screaming or anything, so you may not be used to this method of pre- <laughs> that I am doing, but I've got this box here. And how I want to close this is, I know Pastor already preached the house down today. I could hear him. All right, so I kind of felt better about how I felt this was going to go anyway. So I'm just really, I'm trying to teach you something here about our families. You know, and you may think, oh, he's 21. He's been a dad for like a month and a half. You know, he's not got much he can tell me about being a family. But I have a role in my family, and that is I'm the son. But I'm also a father in my family. And as a son, it's my necessary role to have a connection with my mother and my sister, with my dad. Even though, you know, I may, he, he may have chose the road to where he left when I was a kid. It's necessary for me to connect with him because he has a soul. It's necessary for me to connect with my mom, Peg, because she's my grandma, because she has a soul. My little brother and my little sister, because they have souls. That's what being an apostolic family about is, is about. It's, it's, we have more power than just calling on the name of Jesus and being saved for the rest of our lives. We have the power of the Holy Ghost, which is saving power, which is changing power. And we need to make sure that as an apostolic family, we have our motives right. That we're doing it and remembering it why we are doing the things that we are doing. That our family has souls and they need to be saved. Whether you're the dad, you're the mom, you're the son, you're the daughter, you're the grandparent. Whatever it is, you need to make sure that your box is filled with the right things. And this box is just a good old wood box. I really want to go see that helicopter, by the way. I'm sorry. (laughs) But... This is a good old wood box that, you know, I, I keep in my office. I call it my treasure box. I got that idea from my wife. She's got a treasure box that's filled with a bunch of junk for like so many years of her life. And I kind of started the same thing. But I actually had to take the real junk out of this box to put the stuff in it that I wanted to show you. There's a bunch of junk in here. But um, one of the first things that is kind of a motive 
for me in my life, and there's something I'll read out of this in a minute that I'll show you, is this Bible. This Bible belonged to Brother Donnie. And many of you know Brother Donnie. You know, I lived, I lived with him before. You know, I, I worked with him. He was my uncle. But, you know, as my dad was gone, he also fulfilled the role of a father in my life. You know, and I loved him like a father and like an uncle all in one. And he was a great man. And he had a ministry that he was called to fulfill. Amen. And this ministry didn't come in his life until he was older. But see, my role in this apostolic family is I can continue that ministry that he started. Amen. You know, and I have this Bible that was his. And he didn't mark it up very much, but the things that are marked in here that are highlighted are consistent with this apostolic movement. Amen. Are consistent with one God, with Jesus' name baptism, with the book of Acts. It's because he got it. And he was passing that on to his future generations. He was passing that on to Lois and Sister Ashley. That's what he was doing. And that's one of the motives is this Bible, is having this and studying out of it. Another one of my motives, which I've actually preached a message from before, is this list of notes right here. And I've actually got another list of notes I found in Brother Donnie's Bible. I'll put that with that. But is this, there's not much here. But I'm sure if many of you got to look at this, and I would let you see it, but you'd probably cry if you see it because many of your names are listed in here because John prayed for you while he was alive. And, you know, he was a stubborn man, and at many points in my life I was actually scared of him because he used to pick on me a lot, and I didn't like that. And one time he went to jail for 30 days, and I was actually glad he went to jail because I didn't have to see him. But I don't feel that way now. I'd give anything to have a conversation with him. To show him this new virtual reality technology that I know he would love. You know, to, to take him and, and let him see the job I work where I get to build stuff out of metal. You know, and all this kind of stuff that I wish as a father figure he was in my life that he would get to see. And, you know, a motive I have is, is the notes. There's so many different names in this book and so many different things that just relate to the man that John was. And... You know, it's just a motive I have to continue that ministry that he had on this earth while he was here. And then, the last one before I kind of read in closing, uh, like I said, this is, this is completely different for me, but I just feel to go this direction, to kind of get real with us here today. The last thing in this box is two pictures, and this one is me and my wife before we got married, and then this one is my wife and my son. As of recent, we've had a child, you know that. <laughs> And I love them to death. And as a father, I want to make sure that I give my son everything that I wish I would have had as a kid. You know, it, it, you know I, just, I want to make sure that he knows who God is. Amen. That he knows that you need the Holy Ghost. That you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And, and I want to make sure that I continually remind my wife of that as well. You know, I know she knows that. She knew it way before I knew it. But I want to build an apostolic culture in my home. I want to make sure that they love God and know that I love God. So that's three things that I have, you know, in my box. And I did that today to kind of ask us, you know, what's in your box? What's the last time you checked the motives that you have for coming to this, coming to the house of God and living for God, for reaching your family? When's the last time that you went through and you really figured out why you're doing this? 
You know, and you really thought about the people in your family that are lost and that need you. That need you as that mom. That need you as that dad. That need you as that brother, sister, or, you know, or as that grandparent. The role that you could fulfill in your family. Because you are filled with the truth. And as Bethany comes to music, I'm going to read one thing in closing to us today. And then I'm going to pray. And these altars will be open and you can come pray. But I, I'm just trying to... Let us consider our families today. Consider our motives. And, and just give that deeper apostolic love into our family. Something I... This isn't gloating. This isn't anything. This is just me being real. Something that I wrote in this Bible when I was praying and weeping one time that I felt like I will share to you today so you will kind of understand a little bit more about you know, my motives for living this life. And what I have written here is I have three things once again. I have, first, I do this for God to carry the burden and call He has given me for souls. That is important in this apostolic life, is having a burden for souls and for our family. And then it says, second, I do this for my family, for without an altar in my life, where can they fall in a time of storm? How can, be, how can they be saved unless they hear my wife, Corbin, and all the ones that are lost who will be saved? And then third, or lastly, it says, I do this for those who have gone before me. Donald Ewing and John Autry that have gone by the way of the grave with calls left unfulfilled. Also for the ones who paved the way for this generation, a generation thought to be barren, but will be the greatest generation ever seen. Church, we have to know our motives. We have to put them somewhere, just like in the opening scripture where we remember them every single day. Put them on our gates. Talk about them when we wake up. Put them somewhere where you're going to see them. I encourage you to start thinking this year about your motives for being in this church. Your motives for wanting to see revival in Marion, Kentucky. Your motives for wanting to see revival in your church and in your family. Whatever that may be for you. Writing it down so we can remember it. And talking about it to our children. When we stand up, when we walk by the way, when we're going throughout our day remembering what God has called us to do. And I know this has been completely different today. and You know, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for it. But I'm just going to pray and ask that something I said would just affect someone's heart today. Lord, I thank you for your mercies and your goodness. God, I praise you for all that you've allowed me to do. God, for allowing me to have a family. God, for allowing me to have a beautiful wife and a son. People that I can influence as the father figure in my house. God, people that I, I can lead closer to you, Jesus. Allow me to go closer to you and closer to my family as you called us to go. Lord, I ask that every single person in this room, God, will begin to get a burden for their family, for their souls. God, they will begin to start writing out motives that they have for why they do this and why they want to continue to do this. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm thankful for you and I praise you. Help us today in the name of Jesus. Amen. to declare to you my past is over